You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Our passage today is a Psalm of David, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is surely the most well-known and probably the most well-loved psalm of all of them. Uh, This is the kind of psalm you're likely to find on a Christian bookmark or on the back of a toilet door at your grandmother's house. Uh, In fact, it's even popular among non-Christians. You'll often hear it at funerals, even of those who've never darkened the doorway of a church. I think I've heard it at Anzac Day services as well. There's even a Premier League football team in the UK that has some of the lyrics of this psalm uh, plastered in big letters across their stadium, five points to anyone who can put that in the chat box below. Uh, So this is a psalm that is deeply loved. And today I want to think about why that is. What is it about this psalm, this song, that so resonates with people? And I think it's the picture that we have in this psalm of God and of his place in our life. You see, Psalm 23 shows us that life is like a great dangerous journey, a pilgrimage across mountains and down through valleys, a challenge that needs rest and green pastures. And the picture we have in Psalm 23 is of God as a shepherd who leads us through all of that, who protects us and fights for us, who provides for us and who ultimately brings us home to him. So I want to explore those ideas in greater depth. First of all, I want to think of how God provides. That's what we see in this psalm. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Uh, The role of a shepherd in ancient Israel was a crucial one and a very difficult one. Uh, The shepherd had to provide for the flock to ensure that they were fed and watered and well rested. And this could be extremely hard. Uh, Many parts of the land were rough and unforgiving, with searing heat, just burning the life off the vegetation that there was. And so the shepherd was really quite a nomad, leading the flock far and wide to find food. Here, though, the picture is of a shepherd who does find that food. The flock does not want for anything. He finds green pastures for them. He, the shepherd leads the flock beside still waters. This is a shepherd who provides. Uh, and in the pages of the Bible, we find a God who does this as well. We see a God who loves to provide for our physical need to invite us to pray for our daily bread and then uh, enjoys, loves to uh, answer that prayer. He cares about our daily needs. And of course, we find a God who provides for our spiritual needs. 
salvation in Christ and, and so much more than that as well. Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. This is a God who provides for us. And that's really his commitment to us. John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And he loves to provide for us abundantly. John John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he wants us to rest in him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. God provides. He is the shepherd who provides. Uh, I wonder how he's provided for you uh, this year. Uh, This has obviously been just an insane year, a crazy time. And yet if you really stop and think about it, I'm betting that you can really see how God has provided for you uh, in the basic needs of your life. Um, Yeah, we've still got food, still got clothing. By God's grace, um, most of us have been able to hold on to work, which is such a blessing. Uh, We still even have community uh, despite lockdown. If no one allowed in my house a five-kilometre radius shackling me to this place as well, uh, I still remain connected to hundreds of people every week. Uh, My wife and I have experienced God's provision quite profoundly in the last few months with our housing situation. Uh, We had this very long, very difficult saga, but God came through for us. He provided for us. And it's interesting, though, because there were times where we thought that it just wasn't going to happen. We were were just wondering what God was doing, what he was um, thinking, and, and we were getting frustrated and anxious about all kinds of things. And so I think it comes down to a matter of trust. God is promising and assuring us that he is a shepherd who wants to provide, who can and does provide, and yet we still need to trust him in that. Uh, The writer James Johnson says this, uh, since water and grass can be hard to find in the land of Israel, shepherds had to ready their flocks on uh, long migrations from one pasture to another. The sheep would not understand why they left a good place to climb up and down ravines as they walked through the wilderness. Where are we going, they would think to themselves. The ground is rough, there's no water here, and still the shepherd leads on. The sheep don't know where they're going, but he does. He has good pasture in mind, green grass and still water. And so it is with our lives. We can look back and say, why couldn't we have stayed where we were? Why are you leading me here? I don't like this rough ground. I'm thirsty, there's no water. And still our shepherd leads on. He knows where he is going. He leads us in straight paths. We need to trust him. God is the shepherd who provides. And that last quote from Johnson points to the second thing that I see here, that God guides. He provides and he guides. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, This phrase, paths of righteousness, is a bit ambiguous and probably deliberately so. It could just simply mean the right path. God gets us from A to B. He's he's got the roadmap. Uh, That's because he knows what he's doing. He knows the route. He knows how to get us across all the obstacles and all the hurdles. He's in control. And there's something very comforting about that. And yet you sense that there's also something more here as well, something about moral rightness. God leads us in the path of righteousness. He shows us how to live and he helps us to live that way. Uh, And that's really in line with that first line, that God restores 
my soul, our soul. Uh, that language of restoration points to the work that God does as, he's, as he brings his people back to him. As humans, we were made to live with God, our creator, but sin uh, interrupted that and separated us from him, pulled us apart from God. But in Christ, God restores us, giving us a new heart and a new life with him. And it's interesting how often uh, in the Bible you find the language of sheep being used to describe this. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, we read that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We are like sheep who just kind of wander off, and so we actually need restoration. And God does that by pursuing us and bringing us home. In fact, one of Jesus' most beautiful parables is the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15. Uh, Jesus is telling the crowds, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And the very next story is the story of the prodigal son. So the meaning is very clear. God loves to restore people. We are like sheep who have wandered off, but God will go after us. He will pursue us to bring us home, and he rejoices to bring us home. Uh, He loves to restore us. There is a bit of an edge here as well. You see, Jesus also made it clear that not everyone does come back. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, but some will keep going astray, will keep wandering away from God. Not all will be restored. And partly that's because they do not respond. In John 10, Jesus challenges the Jewish religious leaders and says to them outright, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so here, right in the middle of this beautiful psalm is a spiritual test, a diagnostic test. What do you do when you hear God's voice? God is a wonderful provider, a good and wise guide, but will you and I, will we follow him? When the good shepherd calls, will we follow? That's really the challenge in this psalm. But there's also this incredible promise for those who do choose to follow him. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In leading the sheep in ancient times, the shepherd in Israel would have uh, often had to descend deep into the valleys. Uh, James Johnson again explains, as shepherds led the flocks in search of grass and water, they would have to pass at times into and through deep, rugged wadis, dry steam beds cut through the hills by the winter rains. The air at the bottom of these deep ravines is thick and heavy with the heat of the day. Like canyons, they're covered in dark shadows as the cliff walls block out the sun. The whole flock had to struggle over rocks and boulders and up the sides of the canyon. And if the flock was caught in a wadi during a storm, a flash flood could sweep them away to their deaths. 
To make it worse, wild animals lived in the shelter of the wadi, ready to tear, tear the sheep to shreds. There's a picture here of danger, of the shepherd having to protect the flock as he leads them through it. I'm sure you've heard me say this before, but I think the true test, the ultimate test of any religion or philosophy or worldview is how it helps you think about suffering and death, how it helps you get through those things. You see, we live in a world that is cursed. It's not just barren, it's hazardous, it's broken. And so all around us we see that there is sickness, there's anxiety, there's difficulty, there's valleys. Uh, You might be going through the valley right now. Uh, The loneliness and frustration of lockdown, perhaps anxiety over the loss of work or uncertainty about the future, the heartbreak of a relationship, even a marriage that isn't working, it's tearing you apart, the frustration of a debilitating illness, the grief of the possibility of someone close to you dying. And really at the end of the road for all of us, there is that picture of death, the reality of death, that valley of death. So what do we do in these moments. I mean, so often we're overwhelmed with fear and anxiety and grief. So what do we do when we face with that, when we go through the valleys? Well, God invites us to look to him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's the shepherd And he can provide for us and guide us even through the valley. And yet, of course, it's it's easy to say that, but hard to do. It's hard to look to God in these situations. When the shadows close in, it's easy to question God's goodness, his wisdom, his power. There's times, frankly, where it doesn't feel like God is a provider or isn't a guide, where you're not sure he's there shepherding you through, where the valley just is there and nothing else. Psalm 23 keeps telling us that he is there, that he is with us. But how can we be sure of that? Well, many people have experienced it. Some of you here today have experienced it, are experiencing it it even now. You've gone through great trials and felt God there. In fact, often God feels closer than ever, ever in these moments. When everything is dark, he is the only light. Now, one writer notes how intimate this psalm becomes in this moment. So at the start, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He restores me. And now it's you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is this real closeness here. As as the shadows come in, God feels closer. And it doesn't always feel like that. And knowing that others experience it can be pretty depressing if you don't. So, so how can we be sure? How can we be confident? Well, I think we can be because it's not just about what we have experienced or what other people have experienced. It's, it's actually about what Jesus has experienced. You see, this psalm isn't just for us, it was for Jesus. All through his ministry, he sought and he found the shepherding provision of his father. In Matthew 4, he's tempted and he's tested, and after 40 days we're told that the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him, providing for him. 
Uh, often through his ministry, he escapes the crowds because he needs sustenance from his father. He's always seeking that. And then in the final days of his life, we see him face the valley of the shadow of death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he sweated blood. Such was his anxiety, his anguish. He, he longed for God to relieve him. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. And yet even then he was able to entrust himself to God. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He trusted that God was still the shepherd. And he trusted even on the cross. On the cross, Jesus felt the full wrath of God, destined for us but now placed on him. He bore our sin and so he was forsaken. He was shut off from God. And yet even then he trusted the great shepherd. Isaiah 53 verse 7 He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He didn't resist this. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He recognized that he needed to do this, that his death would accomplish something, that he had to be the sacrificial lamb for our sin. And he believed that he would see life again because God would enable him to do that. Isaiah 53 verse 10, It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. This is what got Jesus through. The sense that the shepherd was leading him through, leading him through even death itself. Jesus died to make an offering for our guilt. And because he did that, he was rewarded with new life. And so here is the wonder. Jesus didn't just die. He went through death. He went through the valley of the shadow of death and came out on the other side. And now we can be sure of that too. We will face trial and hardship in this life. We will all face death itself. But in Jesus, we can be sure that we will come through that. Our shepherd who guides us and provides for us will guide us through even death itself, taking us to the other side, bringing us to him. And that's the glorious promise of verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God provides. God guides. And then he welcomes us home. He is the host. Having a meal with someone is a pretty big deal right now in Melbourne. Uh, it means you've made it into someone's social bubble. In ancient Israel, uh, having a meal with someone was always a big deal. To have someone in your home meant that you were embracing them and taking responsibility for them. And the beautiful picture here is that God, our shepherd, does that for us. He embraces us and welcomes us into his presence forever. 
That's what Jesus has achieved for us. He's so dealt with our sin that it's completely gone. And so there's nothing between us and God, nothing preventing us from being in God's presence. And so he embraces us. We're not just out of his bad books. We're in his good books. He doesn't just tolerate us but hold us off at a distance. He calls us in and embraces us. He prepares a table for us. He invites us to sit down and enjoy fellowship with him forever. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever this is God's promise when we go through the valley of the shadow of death yes this life is hard and death may be even harder but there is something on the other side someone on the other side our shepherd will guide us home to see him face to face let's pray Father God we approach you as our shepherd. We thank you that this is possible, that that's how you make yourself known, that you are a great and a powerful God, but you also want us to know that you are our shepherd, the one who provides for us and guides us and leads us and carries us home. Lord, I pray for those, anyone of us who is in the valley, Lord, I pray that we will hold on to you even then and that we will uh, trust you to guide us and lead us home. Lord, I pray for those of us who might be beside still waters and enjoying the green pastures. Help us to celebrate this and to not lose sight of you in this moment either. Thank you that you are the good shepherd in every season of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have gone to prepare a place for us and that what is to come is better than we can even imagine. Help us to hold on to your hand and to follow you through all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.